It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Baseball is upon us, so let's talk about it. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's bring in a Hall of Famer, Greg Maddox, kind enough to give us some of his time. And thanks so much for joining us. Greg, if I go through your resume, it is way too long. You have accomplished so much, obviously. The only pitcher to win at least 15 games for 17 straight seasons. You got those four consecutive Cy Young Awards, a record for gold gloves. You won more in the 90s than any other pitcher. Of all of your accomplishments and records, which one means the most to you? Well, it's probably that World Series ring in 95. You know, I think uh, that was something you're able to share with your uh teammates, your coaches, your neighbors, your fans, your city. I think uh, uh, the individual stuff's nice, but winning that ring, there's nothing that compares to it. Okay, now you're going to get me down a rabbit hole because right before you came on, we were having this debate, and it came up like those Braves teams were so dominant. But then I'm not going to say who said it, but somebody brought up, yeah, but they only won one ring. I'm like, oh, my gosh, only one you know how hard it is to win one? Can you please put into perspective, Greg, how hard it is to accomplish being the best in the world, at least it just w- one time? Well, it's pretty special. You know, I think uh, obviously we had our chances. I think we went to the playoffs 10 of the 11 years I was there. And, uh, uh, you know, we did win one. Would it have been nice to win two, three, four? Yeah, absolutely. Uh but, you know, other teams are good, too. And uh, we just, you know, we seems like we came up a little short more than we actually won. But uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was fun going to the postseason as many times as we did. And, uh, you know, we only cashed in once, but it was a blast while it was going on. Oh, my God. You use the word only, Greg. You're killing me. Uh, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but now your brother is a pitching coach for the Texas Rangers for the for his second time around. Uh-huh. He is arguably the best in the business, and they are now going for a repeat. You've been there, and most spring trainings, you'll go out with your brother and be an advisor and, and help out. What is that like when you go to spring training as the champs and you're looking to try and repeat? Well, I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of the pressure's off. You know, you've been there, you've done that. You, you you know what it takes to get back, and you know it's just a matter of everything falling into place. You know, and you know, first off, you gotta you know get ready for the season and make it to the playoffs. But uh, once you get to the playoffs, it's just a matter of trying to cash in again. I think uh, uh, the experience will allow you not to panic. Uh, you know, during the season when things aren't going well because, you you know, you've been down that road before. We all saw how Texas got into the postseason last year. And, uh, you know, if you get hot at the right time, great things can happen. Bruce Bochy credits you with a lot of the success of the Rangers pitching staff from last year. Greg Maddox, Hall of Famer, kind enough to join us here on Amber and Ian. So, uh, Greg, you gave me the, the good answer when you said your World Series ring because obviously team effort there. Give me the individual accomplishment of yours, though. That means the most to you. Uh, probably just the consistency over the years. I think, you know, nobody expects to play for over 20 years, you know, when you're first setting out to do it. And I think to be able to play the game for as long as I did, uh, stay healthy, uh, always make an honest effort to get better. You know, I think that's the thing I'm most proud of, just being able to do it for as long as I could. 
Greg, what, what was your favorite part about spring training when pitchers and catchers reported? Uh, leaving the clubhouse and going to the golf course. I knew it. Part. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the, the yeah. You know the, the the best part is I think side sessions. You know when you're sitting there watching. You know the best in the world do what they do, and uh, just seeing how much how much better the pitchers are today back then when we pitched. You know, twenty five, thirty years ago. I think uh, uh, you know athletes are always bigger, stronger, faster. They're always they're always getting better, and just to see the level of ability that the guys have today as compared to what we did back in our day, you know, I think uh, uh, the things they can make a baseball do are pretty special. You know, I think, you know, and then it comes down to execution and, you know, being consistent, making pitch after pitch and out pitching the guy you're facing. So I think, uh, you know, watching those guys do that last year was pretty cool. Greg, you mentioned golf, so I have to ask you about the Invited Celebrity Classic. It's April 19th through 21st in Irving, mm-hmm. Texas. A whole bunch of stars involved in this thing. You, obviously, Tony Robert, Tony Romo, Albert Pujols, John Smoltz. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tickets are free. Go to invitedcelebrityclassic.com to grab those tickets. Tell us something about it, Greg. Well, it's, you know, it's a great golf vacation for us, and we also get a chance to raise a lot of money for charity, so that's pretty cool. You know, I think... Uh, uh, you know, for me personally, I get a chance to reconnect with some old teammates, you know, Glav, Smoltzy, uh, see some NFL Hall of Famers. It's always cool playing with those guys. And uh, it's just a it's it, it's a funny it, it's a funny event. It's it's kind of fantasy golf for us, you know, and we get a chance to play uh, alongside the pros. You know, these were the guys that we had on in our clubhouse throughout the 90s and watched them, you know, pretty much every tournament every week. And, you know, it's uh it's a pretty cool weekend. Yeah, it certainly is that. You raised $500,000 for charity. It will be live on the Golf Channel all three days of the competition. Hall of Famer Greg Maddox joining us here on Amber and Ian. You mentioned how good the pitching is these days. What current pitchers, if, you, if there's any current pitchers that remind you of yourself, who would it be and who do you enjoy watching most today? <laughs> well, most guys don't remind me of me because, you know, of the – the speeds and the breaking balls and all that. But, you know, uh, Garrett Cole comes to mind, you know. I still like watching the old guys like Kershaw and, and uh, uh, the guy from Houston. Verlander. Verlander, thank you. He hits 98, though, Greg. <laughs> I know he hits 98. It's amazing how he hasn't lost anything off his fastball over the years. But, uh, you know, just watching the quality – that those guys can throw up there. And I'm amazed the hitters hit as much as they do, to be honest with you. Cause, uh, you know, I, 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 I know what it was like trying to hit off Randy Johnson. It's really not, not a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, just, I sit on my couch and just enjoy watching these guys do it. You know, one thing that drives me nuts in, in this day and age, and, and again, you know, I, I was covering the Rangers when Nolan Ryan was in charge of the Rangers, and he, he revamped the entire mentality along with your brother of that pitching staff. And so six innings and, and three earned runs, that's a quality start. In your day, you're, that's a failure. I hear you laughing right now. So how, how do you feel about how that, that, that part of the remarkable science of pitching has changed over the years? Yeah, now it's, you know, go as hard as you can for as long as you can, and if you go six, it's great. You know, I mean, 
you know, look back, we were throwing 230 to 250 innings. You know, guys the generation before us were throwing 300. So, you know, it always seems to it always seems to come down a little bit. And, you know, I get the analytics, and it's hard to get a guy out the third and fourth time. You know, it's a lot easier for the bullpen to come in and do it. I, I understand all that. And it's just, uh, you know, the game – the game changes a little bit over the over the decades, and you know that's kind of what we're seeing now. We're just seeing pitchers, you know, brain dead heave it for the first five or six innings, and the bullpen comes in. The game has changed quite a bit. One of the recent changes we saw, Greg Greg Maddox joining us here, is the pitch clock. How do you feel about the pitch clock in today's game? I love it. I think it's the hitter's clock, to be honest with you. It kind of forces them to get in the box. You know, I remember standing on the mound waiting forever for hitters to step into the box. Uh, you know, the walk-up songs seem to be an extra 20 seconds longer and, you know, all those things. So uh, I would really enjoy the uh, the hitter's clock today. <laughs> uh, I don't know about only being able to throw the bases twice, but, uh, you know, I'm all for a fast game. I'm all for a fast game. Who was that one guy when he, when he you knew he got in the box and he was going to adjust his gloves fourteen times right you know tap his toes whatever it might oh, be yeah. go ahead who, who was yeah. that one guy You're like come on man can we just play ball yeah I mean Nomar did it you know I think he he was guilty of it a little bit I think uh, uh, there was one or two guys on every team that always seemed to call timeout when the count was three two. You know, right when you're about to get ready, they you know you've got somebody. You got somebody out. in your mind right now, don't you? Who is it? Who is it? I mean, geez, there are a lot of guys. I mean, uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but they know who they are. But you know, there were there were, there were a few guys that that would be guilty of that. All right, let me take you back in time. The year is 2012. It's spring training. It's Surprise Arizona. We're on the backfields, and a guy named Hugh Darvish has just come over and been signed by the Texas Rangers. Your brother, Mike, is a mm-hmm. pitching coach. And I'm standing over there, and I see you pulling a bench over as Darvish is about to throw for the first time. And big brother, Mike Maddox, looks at you and goes, hey, man, I need to go hit Fungo over here on field two. Do you remember that exchange that you had with your big brother? God, I wish I did. I probably went over and hit fungos. You did, but it was the big brother mentality. You looked at you looked right at him and you went, "Man, come on! I wanted to watch a Japanese guy. Come on, Mike." Yeah. When does that big brother mentality go away, or is it is it there forever? Well, I mean, there's always a respect. You know, he's always somebody that I've always looked up to. I mean, you know, from the time I was you know, five, six years old when I was old enough to do it. You know, he, uh, uh, with the age difference, everything I was about to do, he had already done. So it was a, you know, it was a good place for me to lean on and and get some good brotherly advice. And and hopefully I put it to good use. Well, you went hit Uh, Fungo, so there you go, right? (laughs) I think think you might have put it to to some good use. Uh, If you want to watch PGA Tour champions and celebrities, Paired together for three days playing golf. You're going to want to check out InvitedCelebrityClassic.com. Tickets are free if you want to attend the Invited Celebrity Classic in Irving, Texas. Also, it will be live on the Golf Channel all three days of competition where you can watch Greg Maddox, Baseball Hall of Famer, four-time consecutive Cy Young Award winner, eight-time All-Star, World Series champ. Thanks, Greg, so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always. Uh, Amber, I will never forget that story on the backfields of, of in Surprise, Arizona. That big brother mentality, and I like my big brother got rest in, got rest his soul. 
He had it over me. I mean, my younger brothers, I've got it over them. It never, mm-hmm. ever goes away. I, I believe that 100%. My big brother certainly has it over me. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, would you rather have Russell Wilson or Justin Fields as your quarterback next season? We'll get into that on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Russell Wilson or Justin Fields? Who would you rather have as your quarterback this upcoming season? It seems like both of these quarterbacks might be an option. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business's needs from quick repairs to adjustable coverage and even payment options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes at Progressive commercial.com. So Russell Wilson, it it feels like that he's not going to be with the Denver Broncos anymore, Ian, but certainly Russell Wilson has had a hell of a career any way you cut it, even though it hasn't necessarily gone in Denver, according to plan. Justin Fields has had a different career in terms of success, but of course, Young has showed lots of talent at times there, Ian, and might have loads of talent to develop on over the next 10, 15 years. So if it was your team, who do you want as your quarterback? This one's easy for me. And I, when I say easy, I mean, it, it, this is a, you know, eighth grade layup, and that is Justin Fields. Really? I'm going younger and hungrier over entitled and older. Uh, <laughs> easily, no, hands down, not even a question. Justin Fields has an edge to him right now. I mean, you heard him in the, in the, in the you know, St. Brown Brothers podcast, when I am so tired of hearing whether I'm going to be traded or not, just uh, and as he said, I want to be in Chicago, but just let me know where I'm going to be. This dude is has had three offensive coordinators in his three years in the NFL. He's got remarkable talent. Does he hold the ball too long at times? Absolutely he does. That can be coached out of him. Remarkable arm talent, remarkable ability. He is a leader. Give me Justin Fields hungry and younger over entitled and older anytime. I, I don't get the entitled conversation, frankly, with Russell Wilson. Like, I feel like if you've won a Super Bowl, you've been a Super Bowl MVP, you've had the career that he's had in the league, fine. You can be a little bit in, a little bit entitled. I, I think you can ask for an extra parking space. I, I don't really know why he got eviscerated for having an extra parking space. Like, it wasn't just Russell the parking space. Wilson. It was the private office and everything oh else and God, all that stuff. Oh, my God. You had an I mean, office. Like, you got a desk. You're a quarterback. I just, Peyton I don't Manning like didn't have doing- that. Okay, but at the same time, if he did, I don't think we would have, frankly, ever heard about it. I mean, it's, it just seems like so not a big deal to me whatsoever 
with a quarterback that was his guy. I feel like people forget how good Russell Wilson was for the entire time absent the final year there in Seattle, and he still wasn't bad the last year there in Seattle. But we're talking about one of the top quarterbacks in the league for so very long. He had a hell of a career, obviously, in Seattle. But also, by the way, this past season, he didn't do so bad. And when you compare the numbers straight up between Russell Wilson and Justin Fields, even just this past oh, season, career on. numbers obviously Stop. are incomparable. You can't even have the conversation career-wise. Justin Fields can't hold a, a candle to, to what Russell Wilson has done over his career. But given Justin well, Fields... One's been in the league over old, a decade. One's, one's been in the league with three offensive coordinators in three exactly, years. Exactly. Justin Fields is 24 years old. He's got a lot of time to figure that out. So I'm not doing the career comparison. That's not fair to Justin Fields. What I will do is the 2023 comparison, and the numbers aren't even close. In a season that people weren't talking about Russell Wilson, and again, Russell Wilson was not the problem on that Broncos team, but in a season where people were not talking about him, people were not talking about him bouncing back at all, even though he kind of did a little bit statistically, in a season where the Broncos are moving on from Russell Wilson, because Sean Payton clearly doesn't think he's the answer there, the statistics are so far and away better than what Justin Fields put up this past season, that for me, this conversation is easy, but in the opposite direction, if we are talking about a singular year, if this is a singular year and you're asking me who would I want as my quarterback, and it was a year in, in like a more of a win-now mode, I mean, I'm not sure either of these quarterbacks are winning a Super Bowl, but if we were in a win-now mode, then the conversation's Russell Wilson. If it was a future conversation for the longevity of your team, then it's just not a fair fight for Russell Wilson because Justin Fields is 24. Well, if you want to like compare just last year, put Justin Fields on the Broncos and then you put Russell Wilson with that, whatever it was, with the Bears and that horrible offensive line with absolutely zero weapons outside of D.J. Moore, what are the numbers then? That's like going, you know, C.J. Stroud with, with – the Texans, if C.J. Stroud is with – and Carolina takes him number one overall and Bryce Young is with the Texans, are we having a different conversation about those two also? I mean, you, you can't just go numbers in, in, with different teams and different personnel and different coaching staffs and different styles. I just look at the players and where they are right now in their careers. And Justin Fields, to me, has a – he's hungry – and he is a remarkable talent that has had not one, not two, but three different systems to try and master. That is not easy for any young quarterback. Heck, that's not easy for a veteran quarterback. And as Drew Brees said on Carlin versus Joe, he knows what that Sean Payton offense is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to run. And with Russell Wilson, it didn't look right. It wasn't crisp. And that's why Sean Payton jettisoned Russell Wilson. Now, am I saying Russell's done? No, not at all. But if you're asking me, who would I take right now? Like, let's just go Pittsburgh and Atlanta. They're both in the market right now. I think Justin Fields, especially with Pittsburgh and Arthur Smith's offense, ironically, Atlanta Falcons' former head coach, is a perfect fit to go in right now and take that team to another level. And I would take Justin Fields over Russell Wilson to go in there. And then you look at Atlanta, I would take Fields over Russell Wilson there as well because he's hungry, a younger, and I'm also not just in the, in the moment, but to your point, I'm on the long play. It's not just about this year. I'm looking at the next five, six years when it comes to my franchise and a quarterback. 
from what I understand, the way that Russell Wilson's contract is working out because of what the Broncos have to pay him, then the next team can get him for nothing for cheap, essentially for nothing. Basically, a like million getting dollars him for a min. You're right. They're getting him for like a vet min salary, which is ridiculous for Russell Wilson, a, a dude who has won a Super Bowl. Denver's on the hook for all that money. And all, yeah. right, Denver's on the hook for it. So you have to keep that in mind because whoever gets Justin Fields is going to have to pay Justin Fields, right? And so it's very different in terms of how this works with your salary cap structure. Now, again. Justin Fields is the much younger quarterback. So when you're approaching this thing, like the future of our team, if you believe Justin Fields has the develop to, to or has the talent to develop into something special, then yeah, he's 24. I mean, Russell Wilson is 10 years older than Justin Fields. And frankly, although I do not buy into the whole, you know, Russell Wilson entitled nonsense malarkey, I also do think that it's a reality that he's married to a superstar and that he's got things going on beyond football. And I just don't know if he's the type of guy who's going to need to play football or want to play football until he's 45 years he's old. He's made $300 million. Right. Like he's good. Like, and, and like his worst wife's worth a gajillion dollars. And like, I feel like he doesn't need to put himself through this in his forties. So why would you? So I, I, even uh, absent of ability, which obviously that's been declining. I don't feel like Russell Wilson has many years left anyways, absent of ability. So clearly Justin Fields, in terms of age, in terms of longevity, is going to get the edge. In every other way, it's Russell Wilson. Even I just pulled Russell Wilson's numbers from 2022, which is his worst season. They're still comparable to Justin Fields' numbers from last year. Put him year. on the Bears and how are his numbers? Put him on a different yards. team. How's his numbers? bad Denver Broncos team, his first year <laughs> with the Broncos when it was a disaster coming up next. Giannis, <laughs> is he becoming unlikable? We'll talk about that here on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Weird with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm not sure things are getting any less weird anytime soon. Only a championship ring feels like it will do that. Amber and Ian with you. You can find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So it's been a weird season for Milwaukee, Ian, because they had a coach who did a heck of a lot of winning in Adrian Griffin and then got canned. And it was a coach who Giannis seems to have signed off on hiring him and then... And then seems to have signed off on firing him as well. There was some weirdness there about Giannis and saying that he was having to draw plays and that he felt essentially like the coaching staff didn't know what it was doing. So they bring in Doc Rivers, the ownership. Now, Doc will have you believe that he didn't even want this job, apparently. (laughs) 
that the owners talked him into it. And he was like, what are you doing? Why aren't you keeping Adrian? Meanwhile, he was an advisor to the team. And it also, at the time, kind of seemed like Doc Rivers pushed out Adrian Griffin to take over the job. So who the hell knows what's going on there? And then meanwhile, they've sucked since Doc's taken over the job. They're three and seven. And Damon Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo don't seem like a great pairing so far. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. Yes. So you go back to Mike Budenholzer. They won the chip in just two years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. 21, right? And then all of a sudden, for some reason, things get haywire. Mike B, you're out. Now we, we bring in Adrian Griffin. They're the two seed behind like the, the stalwart uh, that, that are the Boston Celtics. But things aren't going well with Adrian Griffin, even though you're a two seed behind this juggernaut, right? Known as the Celtics. Things were going well, just yes, not defensively. Exactly. But they, they were winning games, right? So instead of giving it time and letting it breathe, uh, kind of like college football with a 12-team playoff format, right, where we're going to go ahead and skip ahead to 14, not let it breathe. Adrian Griffin, bam, you're gone. Now, Doc Rivers, you have a cushy job here at ESPN. You're, I mean, you're, you're still getting paid by Philadelphia. You're now just talking about the great game of basketball where he was a phenomenal broadcaster going back in the day when he was with TNT. And all of a sudden now he's going, well, I probably shouldn't have taken the job in the middle of a, of a really difficult road trip. Dude, shut up. I mean, stop, man. I mean, it, the excuses are ridiculous. Remember when he took the job, Amber? You were, it's going to take time. It's, you knew what you were getting into. You knew that you were going on a daunting road trip. You knew that it wasn't going to be easy. And so you were laying down the message of, uh, I'm going to try and, you know, uh, phase out some of the stuff they were doing and bring in some of the things that I want to do, but it's going to take time. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And it's not just Doc. It's also Giannis and the team. This whole thing to me, and I'm curious to see if you agree or disagree, needs to be player-led. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Dame's hungry for a chip. He's never had it. Giannis has recently and for Giannis to say this is Dame's team he's the ball handler this is his squad you what you you've been an MVP you have won the Lario and you're saying this is Dame's team that feels like to me Amber that he's already setting up if we don't win at all or if we don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals and and make a deep run it's not my fault. This was Dame's team, right? Uh, and this is oh, that's interesting. Doc's I didn't hear team. it like that. I, I, so, I get what you're saying there, though, with Giannis. Like, you feel like he's almost conveniently passing the buck. Like, huh. hey, this ain't on me, like, right? I mean, right. I, I, so that when they get bounced in five in the first round, and you're well, it was Dame's team. That wasn't my team. Maybe that's the problem. It'll be my team again next year. We'll, we'll go at it again. Nobody believes that it's Dame's team. Damian Lillard doesn't believe Thank that it's you. Dame's team. Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't believe that it's Dame's team. Nobody thinks it's Dame's team. So that's just Giannis saying stuff. And maybe because Giannis wants Dame to feel more empowered. This team, whoever it is, <laughs> is a mess. We know that it's Giannis's team. And we know that all of this at the end of the day should really be falling on Giannis's shoulders. And he's a superstar who has been... Throughout his career, incredibly likable. He's very funny. His personality is great. And I think because of it, some of his more, you know, sort of gangster ways here that all these superstars, the moves that they all pull, where they're all having pulling the puppet strings 
behind the scenes, I think it goes a little bit more unnoticed with Giannis until this season. And now it's a bit I more agree. obvious. And if this iteration of the Bucks doesn't work out, yes, somewhat sure, there will be criticism of Doc. And sure, maybe finally there will be a little criticism of Dame, something he's never experienced in his career. But really, really, it's going to fall on Giannis because it is, in fact, Giannis's team. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. He was on Amber and Ian with us earlier. If you missed anything here on Amber and Ian, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. He was on with us earlier, and he explained why he thinks Giannis is claiming that this is Dame's team. I don't know when Damian Lillard started playing basketball. He probably was six. And he got a ball, and he was kind of advanced. He's the best guy on the and team. Every team he played on the rest of his life is like your team. Everybody else figure it out around you. And now he goes to a place. First of all, he didn't want to be there. He wanted to be in Miami. So there's an adjustment there mentally. And now you're going through some off-the-court stuff. He's dealing with that. And on top of that, you're not just going out there every trip up the court, like just playing the way you used to play. It's different pairing with a guy like Giannis. So to Giannis's credit, I think he's being honest. He wants Dame to feel that way, just like LeBron wanted Anthony Davis to feel that way in the bubble. This has to be your team for us to win. I need, and he did. He took that next step. They won a championship down there in Orlando in the bubble, and Anthony Davis was the finals MVP because LeBron empowered him to be that. That's what Giannis is trying to do, but Lillard isn't in that place mentally. Okay, that's interesting. That, that was inter- And that caught our, you, our, both of our attentions when he brought up LeBron empowering AD, right? And it did work. Maybe Giannis is doing that. But it, to your point, y- y- there's, a, there's a different aura around Giannis right now where remember when he stayed loyal to Milwaukee and he said, I've known two homes, you know, where he came from, and, you know, and, and then Milwaukee. That's it. And that's why he stayed in Milwaukee and was loyal to the team that brought him over. A lot like Dirk with Dallas. Dirk could have left a million times and chased a whole lot of money. Instead, decided to stick, stay, and compete, and, and finally you know, won that title, ironically against LeBron, you know, and that first you know, big three down in Miami. And, but now, to your, if you can, explain why you believe Giannis's image right now is taking a hit because I'll tell you, I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up in our pre-show meeting, and you might be on to something. I just think Giannis is becoming less likable, and it's not even necessarily an insult to Giannis, but this is something that happens to all of these mega stars in that sport when we start realizing the control that they do have if things don't go exactly according to plan. I think it's happened to LeBron some. I mean, LeBron tries to deny it, and LeBron will try to pretend like, I didn't know about the potential Warriors trade until y'all did, and none of us believe it at this point in his career. We all think that LeBron is the one actually running the Lakers, and nothing happens without LeBron knowing every minute of what's going on. But LeBron also, with all of that power over the years, I think some of that likability has gone out the window a little bit because we all think of him as being in control. And there's that sort of power struggle that gets attached to these players who have so much power in that league. Well, heck, and he's so, still trying to get over the, the decision. You know, right, we're going back well, to what, 08 or whatever the hell it was. And all the decisions that he's made in his career, it's very, you know, obviously LeBron is very calculated. He's very, very good, and he's able to do all of those things, but it maybe makes LeBron a little bit less likable. Dame has always been an underdog in his career. He's always been a player that was never blamed for any of the lack of success where he was before. 
Will that start catching up to him now? It's hard for me to imagine only because Giannis is the buffer right now for Dame. Because otherwise, yeah, things should maybe start heating up a little bit around Dame. Like, eh, at some point, all the shooting's got to amount to some some real winning here. But the reality is that this is Giannis's team, despite what Giannis says, trying to hype up Dame here. This is Giannis's team. And Giannis, and it's not just Giannis's team anymore. Like, you're great. You're the face of the team. It's like Giannis's team. Like, we feel like he's actually taking an integral part in hiring and firing people. So when there's personnel decisions that are made, when there's teammates that are brought in, and we think that you are giving, at the very least, your blessing, when there's coaching staff changes being made, and we think, at the very least, you're giving your blessing. Or you get rid of glue guys, like Drew Holiday, right? I mean, it helps you win a chip. And you're going, you know what? No, he's gone. It feels like, I mean, I understand that Giannis doesn't run the front office, but Giannis feels like one of those megastars. It's not even a superstar. It's one of those megastars like LeBron that Giannis is kind of running the Bucks a little bit. And he signed an extension with them because of it, but he's kind of running the Bucks. And when you're kind of running the team a little bit and it feels like you have that level of influence, it makes you a little less likable when those things don't go well because you're not just really good at basketball anymore and the guy that's out there making funny jokes like Giannis used to be. And not only Giannis, but also Doc Rivers. Doc, you got to quit making excuses. I mean, it, 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 it is. You chose to go there. You chose to leave the booth. You, know, you knew exactly what you were getting into. And so it's not just to me Giannis, but the head coach also has got to be held accountable yet again. Because right now, all I'm hearing is excuse after excuse after excuse from the head coach. I mean, Doc is one of those people who is very charismatic. And so because of that, he tends to be very beloved and he gets all the good jobs and obviously all the good broadcasting gigs on top of that. And I understand that he is very charismatic. But these things with Doc, I feel like, have been circulating around him for years. I mean, I have seen this for many years with Doc. And it's a little like, I mean, even the whole, yeah, like leaving the booth thing. All right, buddy, if you didn't want to leave the booth, I mean, ESPN sure as heck wasn't trying to get you to leave the booth. They just hired you. And by the way, there was major shakeups. Not that that's necessarily Doc's fault, but let's be honest, people lost their jobs when ESPN brought you in. And then you leave after a cup of coffee. And that's just the reality of the situation. So you weren't exactly getting pushed out of the door by any means. These were all your decisions. And it seems strange to make it sound like Maybe this wasn't really something that you wanted to do now when it's not going so well. Everybody on the Bucks needs to come together, put everything on their own shoulders, and needs to figure this thing out because this is championship or bust for this iteration of the Milwaukee Bucks. And Winhor said today that just because Giannis signed an extension with them this past offseason does not mean that he will end up staying in Milwaukee because, again, a megastar with a ton of power, he could force his way out. All it means is that the Bucks will get something big in return for him if he does force his way out, but it doesn't mean that he'll necessarily stay if they don't get a championship out of this thing. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we have heard so much about Caleb Williams. Uh, he's not the only quarterback prospect, apparently, in this draft. I mean, you wouldn't know <laughs> apparently. it with the way that we talk about this thing. We'll get Ian's opinion of that here on ESPN Radio. Rumor has it, that there are more quarterbacks in this upcoming draft in April than just Caleb Williams. <laughs> a rumor has and, it. I mean, I'm shocked to hear it. Amber <laughs> and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. <laughs> All I've heard about is Caleb Williams. I mean, he's the next coming. He's a he can't miss. He's going to be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes doesn't hold a candle to Caleb Williams. It's all we've heard. But there are other quarterbacks in this draft, Ian. And in fact, 
most of the mocks have three or four to quarterbacks going with the top three or four picks. So it feels like it should be a quarterback heavy draft. And yet I don't feel like we spend much time on the Jaden Daniels and the Drake Mays of the world. So break it down for me here. You're Ian spot Fitzsimmons, on. Ian Fitzsimmons outside of Caleb Williams. Okay. We're not doing the Caleb Williams talk. Talk to me about the other guys. Drake May at, at the senior bowl was the topic of conversation. Uh, and and uh, you know, having been there, I was there for three days, and I, w- I walked up to several ACC coaches with a, just a very simple question. Give me one offensive player that you loved and hated going up against, meaning you, you respected and really marveled at their game, but are really glad they're, that they're gone. They, they've graduated, and you don't have to see them again. Offensive side, defensive side. Every ACC coach, from Dabo Sweeney to Mike Norvell, head coach Clemson, head coach Florida State, when I brought brought that up, it went, <laughs> offensively, Drake May. Quarterback UNC. And, and, and Dabo was phenomenal. I mean, he respects Drake May so much. Like, just, just his all-around game. And Dabo's an offensive guy, right? Having played wide receiver at Alabama, you know, with the 92, 92 National Championship game. Uh, you know, and has developed so many quarterbacks coming out of Clemson. He said, man, Drake May can make every throw, every level. And a lot of people are going to talk about his numbers dropping off this year. Well, he had a new offensive coordinator. He didn't have Tess Walker for half the year. Lost several weapons to the NFL. But still put up pretty damn good numbers. And he's a big dude. People don't understand. Drake May is about 6'4", 225. Mm. He's, not, he's not 6'1", 210. And he's got a cannon for an arm and remarkable work ethic. So when you're talking about offensive minds like Mike Norvell and Dabo Sweeney not even having a hiccup before they went, I'm so glad that guy's gone. I, I loved playing against him. It was, an, it was one of those honors, but get him the hell out of here. It was Drake May, quarterback UNC. Yeah, I mean, people, but, say, go ahead. people say with May, they say the velocity – and the ball placement, that those are the things. Now, also with those things come the turnovers, so that's the knock against Drake May. New but system. But in terms of arm talent, new, and that's fine, and, and certainly maybe you can excuse some of those away, but the arm talent, the raw talent is undeniable. Tim Hasselback, ESPN NFL analyst, was on NFL Live, and he was very specific about what team should go after Drake May. If Drake May is available at three, they should be doing cartwheels and they should hurry up and take him. To me, Drake May's as good of a prospect as we've seen at the quarterback position for really as long as I can remember. I think he's that talented. I think he's going to check that many boxes. And I think that while you definitely have issues and holes you need to fill in New England, starting with somebody that could be a decade-plus starter in an elite player with elite skills... Look, I I would hurry up and make that pick if I had the opportunity if I were New England. I've also seen a lot of mocks going that direction where they have the New England Patriots at three taking Drake May. If he's there, you pull the trigger in a heartbeat. I mean, he's a pocket guy, but he's much more mobile than most people think because of his size being around 6'4", 225, 230. Matt Miller on Drake May. He's, he, he, he's giving very a high comparison to an already established NFL quarterback. 
you're going to see a lot of comparisons to Drake May and Justin Herbert. Six foot four, 230 pounds with elite arm talent. And he can drop that elbow and throw from multiple angles, multiple platforms to get the ball down the field. He's got to clean some things up with his lower body. Herbert did as well coming out of Oregon, but a player I think could be a very, very good NFL starter. We get him in the right system, the right scheme early on with some weapons. And Drake May is going to be a better player in the pros than he was in North Carolina. Now, if Drake May is there at three for the Patriots, it's probably because Jaden Daniels went number two. Jaden Daniels, the more mobile quarterback, but you seem to prefer Drake May. I wouldn't say even prefer. It's just different, right? I mean, Jaden Daniels, the biggest knock on Daniels is he's got to protect himself more. You know, I had him a lot the last two years. You know, four times, two years ago, twice last year, and even against Florida State. When you're going head up against Jared Verse, that's a bad idea. Because Jared Burst is a first-round edge rusher out of Florida State. You do not need to be taking that human head-on. Uh, so th- that's the biggest part about Jaden Daniels' game is you can't try and run over people when you are 6'4", 210. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just it, it's a bad idea gonna... going up against somebody 6'4", 260, right? right? But, man, can he make every throw. And you talk about the most improved player in college football. Twice in the last four years they come out of LSU. Joe Burrow, LSU quarterback. From his, first well year, from, the, from his first year at LSU, where they went to the mm-hmm. Fiesta Bowl to winning a natty and going up against the most difficult schedule for a national champion in the history of the game and putting up the numbers he did, my gosh. I mean, and then Jaden Daniels this year, taking down the Heisman Trophy. And you look at him last year compared to what he did this year, 40 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing. That's 50 touchdowns he accounted for with, what, four INTs? Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah. he and he and he can make every throw at every level. The touch, the bullet, you know, in, in front of a safety and over a linebacker, and the deep ball. And if he has to, he can tuck it and tote it. So, the top three guys, Caleb, yes, and then you have Drake and you have Jaden, and then after that, you've got JJ McCarthy, you got Bo Nix, you got Michael Penix Jr. It's a deep quarterback draft. Big Matt time. Miller. Right before we get to those other guys, Matt. ESPN NFL draft analyst. He was on SportsCenter and he compared Jaden Daniels to a curtain quarterback. Take a listen. I'm seeing Lamar Jackson and I know maybe it's not. I'm seeing Lamar Jackson and I know maybe it's not fair to compare someone to an MVP, but he is vintage Lamar. It's the running ability. 1,200 yards rushing this past year. 10 touchdowns on the ground. 40 touchdowns in the air though. 22 touchdowns. Zero interceptions on passes. Over 20 yards. So he's the best deep ball thrower in this class. I think he's a rookie starter and a top three pick. That's so high no praise. You saw my, Washington. you heard my, oh wow, right? Like, oh, yeah, well, like, no, no big deal, Washington. With that number two pick, you're going to have to choose between Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert, <laughs> according to Matt Miller. I mean, if you don't trade up with Kingsbury being there as the OC to go get Caleb Williams. Bottom right. line well, is, they're, yeah. they're, they're, it's not just Caleb, to your point. There are other guys in this draft that could be franchise quarterbacks compared to last year to this year. It's night and day. Like I said, a lot of the mocks have quarterbacks going one, two, three, one, two, three, four. So it is a quarterback heavy draft, even if most of our time is spent on one. Coming up next, if you like college football playoff expansion, man, do we have some good news for you coming up next.